0: previously on The Startup Life. One of the things that we have to really instill in ourselves is education. And we also think that you know education is just formal education. Mm-hmm. So what happens is, over the last few decades, baby boomers and you know in our uh, kind of faction did a great job of taking advantage of those early wins with I education.
1: So this week we conclude four forty five as we bring back Tia Jennings and R G Brooks. The startup life begins now. Seven six five four three two one. She'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. Fast forward and now it's here. Our first line of gear for The Startup Life is now available. Now you're able to tell the world not only do you support the show, but the type of entrepreneur that you are. Choose between the label yourself, create your own destiny, and how to make money t-shirts to help tell the story of your path of entrepreneurship. Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. We're back with part two uh, of 445 concluding uh, our content from last week. We got, once again, Ms. Tia and Mr. R.G. Brooks in the building. How's it going, people? Hey, Dominic, how you doing? Great. What's going on? Can't call it. All right, we ready to dive back into the topic? Yes, sir. Let's do All it. All right, let's do it. So, Startup Nation, just to remind you that we're going through the 444 album uh, because some of the uh, the content in the album sparked a lot of uh, conversations about black wealth, credit, real estate, entrepreneurship, things of that nature. So uh, Tia, in the story of OJ, there's a line that says, I told him, please don't die over the neighborhood that your mama rented. Take your drug money and buy the neighborhood. That's how you rent it. So how did we as a community get to a point where we invest in the hood vocally, but not fiscally?
2: Dominic, I think it's more so about building our communities up to our children, letting them know that where we are has value, not teaching them that just because you're in a place, you need to move to another place that's perceived to be valuable, and just knowing that there is value where you are, because we spend that. a lot of time, you know, thinking that where we are is not good enough, and that has been a mentality of our community for quite some time now, so we feel that we need to flock to wherever they've been, i I remember a reference to the white people neighborhood. That that was a sense of pride to anybody who moved out of the hood, per se. Understood. We just need to find value in ourselves and realize that we are valuable within ourselves and that we can build up our communities and be great also and stay where we are and be great.
1: You want to
0: chime in there, R.G.? Yeah, absolutely. So you know, what, what I would say is... If you look at, again, you know short-term and long-term thinking, when I think of that particular verse, engaging in, in detrimental activity in an area that you don't own anyway. I hear that. So why not, you know, if you're going to engage in activity, why not engage in activity uh, in an area that you do have some ownership in? You know, it, it seems futile to, to go in and, and even if in the spirit of capitalism and to make money, to go in and then the area that, you know, uh, all your people are renting from another culture. Right. So why not first, before you even do that, make sure that you own your own land. You're the lord of your own (laughs) land, per se. And that's Mm -hmm. what I see kind of, you know, in that is, um, you know, use your resources and your investment in um, gains to make sure you first go in and and own your community. Because there's, there's so much, so much comes from that. Yeah, if you that. look at other areas, they're all centered around ownership. Yep. Right. Yeah, When you go out to Germantown, people own it. So what do they do? They, they take care of it. And, you know, it's funny how, in, in our community, as much as we praise money and love to talk about getting money, and then we don't we don't do it, you know. Say, right. It's just always always <laughs> funny. Like we, we gloss over it in our music. We we talk about it all the time of how you know I got to get money. I got to get money. Cash rules everything around me. Cream and all that. <laughs> cream. And we've been saying that for thirty years. Right. But then we you, know, you ask an eighteen year old, well, what do you go do to make money? Well, you know, I mean, go down here to Wendy's and maybe they're hiring. Like you think as much as we talk about money. We'd be really getting it all the time. And right. That's something that was really so important. So, that's something what we got to steal is is yeah, what I also see in this verse is um, with our young people. We have to start them out by getting them to be looking at what it is that they want to do when they're young, not when they're twenty and you're tired of them drinking all the milk out of the refrigerator <laughs> <laughs> and, and gotcha. sitting around all summer. Right. But what do you? What's the conversation when they're four, 4, 5, 6 of... You know, we don't want to do that because we want to hold on to mama's baby, right. you know, for forever. But at some point, you gotta let the bird fly. How are you instilling this, you know, in them, kind of going forward, so they they don't continue, like Tia said, to just perpetuate the same mistakes just over and over and over again, generation to generation.
1: Moving right along, uh, and I'm make this one for you, RG. Uh, the recent jobs report, you know, we have jobs reports every first month of the you know, first Friday of the month. Yes. And we just got a recent one showed that the employment, unemployment rate in the United States is now at 4.4 percent, while African-Americans have a rate of 7.1 percent. As black entrepreneurs ourselves, which serves the community better, hiring those people in our community or teaching them about entrepreneurship? Um,
0: I would say you're always going to teach, teaching a man to fish, mm-hmm. it's going to have a much longer effect. Um, so if you just simply hire them, um, yeah, sure, that can be benef- beneficial in a very short term, Dominic, right. but I would say you know, over a long period of time, you got to teach them ownership. And ownership isn't just, you often think that there's this need for more businesses. Well, you know, a lot of you know, people will tell you just from statistics that, a lot of black businesses are just one person kind of thing we don't really need more businesses we just need more businesses to scale I hear that so how do you get FedEx and how do you get these well it's not you can't grow FedEx by having a hundred different people trying to figure out how they're going to fly a plane across the world in 24 hours right. you know at some point someone had to get in with the one program and build it and that's another thing that you know hurts it hurts us a nonprofit arena and it hurts us in the for-profit arena as well, is that we have this think of more and more and more.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: it goes back to what we talked about last week, the mentality of I've got to, even if it's a crumb, I need to own that versus the slice of pizza that could be 12 inches. I hear that. That's bigger than my little crumb. Right. But I don't want the slice, right? I want to have the whole pie. <laughs> right. Yeah, but I'm not looking at the size of my pie. I'm just looking at the fact that it's my pie. Right. And that's what we've got to get to. We've, we've got to get past that instance of, of that, and then we've got to teach the ownership. And, and you can be an entrepreneur on your job. See, this is the thing, you know, also, Dominic, is that everybody can't own a business. Absolutely. Because right? here's what happens if everybody owns a business. <laughs> right. In societies where that's happened, mm-hmm. they go down very quick. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Because what happens is you're, you know, someone has to patronize the business. Think of most business owners if you go talk to them about Buying just ancillary stuff. They're mm-hmm. all investing in their business. You know, think of who you know. Those are your listeners that have retail shops. They put out a message that says you're only going to sell to people who are business owners, and see what happens to your business. <laughs> right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. Absolutely. So the the whole system works. You have to have like we talked about with the music. You have to have a balance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, everybody can't mm-hmm. go work for the entrepreneur. Everybody can't be the entrepreneur in a capitalist society.
1: You have to have a balance. I hear that that right, you want to chime in there too?
2: Well, RG took my point, so <laughs> next question, I guess. Fair enough. But I, I agree with him 100%. It's everything that he just said. Absolutely. It's absolutely, 100% true. Okay,
1: Balance absolutely. That's is key. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, RG, we actually want to kick this one over to you as well because you can pro- kind of provide some context. Uh, for uh, this next line, the story of O.J. Uh, I could have bought a piece in Dumbo before it was Dumbo for like $2 million. That same building is now, is now worth $25 million. Uh, first, provide some context about Dumbo in that area. What can we learn from Jay-Z's mistake that we can apply not just in a business, that we own, but as someone who has a nine-to-five job as well. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So um, just to give a little color on Dumbo, because you know I know people are thinking of the old cartoon with the elephant and the big ears, <laughs> right. which he does reference at the end of the verse, by mm-hmm. the way, where he, he refers to himself as Dumbo because of the numbers that he mentions and kind of missing out on the investment. But right. um, Dumbo's not a bureau in New York, but it is kind of an area neighborhood. So those of you that, say, for, for instance, are in Memphis, um, it would be kind of like being in... Um, you Know being in North Memphis and being in Klondike, I got you right or New Chicago. Okay, so it's that kind of area within an area, okay, kind of thing. So, Dumbo's kind of an area within Brooklyn. Jay's mentioning it, particularly in this verse, is that he had an opportunity to um, purchase property for two million that today is not worth 25 million that would have a 23 million dollar gain on it. Which, if you brought that to percentages, that's like uh, you know, uh, uh, you know hundred thousand percent gain you know right Um, so he refers to himself at the end as Dumbo for being dumb for missing out on it and a lot of times we miss out on a lot of investment opportunities ourselves not and and your listeners really shouldn't get this wrong a lot of investments don't have to take place they don't have to have that kind of dollar amount right and keep in mind too that even in Jay-Z's case it's not that he has to have this kind of money sitting in his checking account um, there's many ways for you to be able to invest in real estate without even cash, and in some cases even without credit, you know, legitimately. Right. I'm not talking about anything underhanded under the table or funny business with closing attorneys and all this kind of stuff that goes on out
1: here. you. Gotcha. There
0: are legitimate ways to be able to do that without, you know, feeling like, and this is what discourages our community sometimes is we think, well, you know, they look at my checking account and right before payday I've got $5.23. You know, and I think, well, you know, I can't participate in anything like that. You know, that's the wrong mentality I have. Um, you know, you're in a country where you do have an opportunity to do that. And that's really, I think, what it speaks to,
1: particularly in this verse. Okay. You want to chime in there to you?
2: I'm coming from an investment standpoint. Okay. So It just speaks to how real estate is important in investing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Statistics show that people who own their homes are more wealthy. People who invest in real estate are more wealthy. Just think about, um, I was driving through Cardiville one day looking for a house for myself, just, you know, driving around because I could use, you know, real estate searches, but I wanted to get out in the field. So right. I was like, what is this little bitty house held up by a stick, you know, doing outside of these? The houses were going for three to 600000 yeah. So imagine what that little house, you know, they bought it maybe 30, 40 years ago for ten grand because it, it, it wasn't 600 square feet but guess what their property would sell for if they sold it today so it's just mm-hmm. looking into the future and seeing that regardless of what that house looked like in comparison the land is worth a certain amount and you know you get a developer that comes in there that wants that that space because there was right. a new new subdivisions popping up all all the way around that property so that in my in itself and my kids are like mommy what that little raggedy house doing over there I said, that little raggedy house is worth a lot of money now. So it's just about looking into the future and doing away with instant gratification and thinking mm-hmm. about the long term.
1: Right. Yeah. You, you bring up an interesting point, Tia, because when we talk about not necessarily neighborhoods like Acarioville or Cordova, but when we talk about Orange Mound, South Memphis, Westwood, being able to have the vision and also understanding what is happening in the current moment. Like people are starting to buy up, you know, they're
2: buying for more those right. properties yeah. are appreciated yeah. exactly
1: exactly yeah. so it's like there's room for that that appreciation yeah you know to take advantage of so thank you for sharing that yeah. thank you for sharing that go and, ahead
0: and one thing Dominic, you know it other part of your question where you asked about how to tie this into someone with a nine-to-five job mm-hmm. yeah, that could be a lot of your listeners too a lot of your listeners are probably they may be at work now they may have just gotten off from work. Mm-hmm. They may be dreading having to go in tonight. <laughs> gotcha, um, fair enough. And so, but they, then they may be, um, you know, they have a business that they own or, or a business model that they own or even just an idea and they haven't even determined what they want to do. Um, but when you look at that investment, so think about going back to the verse where you, you know, uh, Jay Z talks about the strip club or credit. Right. So a lot of times, even if you're in your nine to five job, you got to start, if you really want to get into ownership, You've got to start making some sacrifices and some thoughts into where you're going to invest uh, your time and your money. There's nothing wrong with your job serving as seed money for your business. Right. Matter of fact, Absolutely. I'd say that's fairly intelligent, especially mm-hmm. for people who have other people who rely on their income. Um, I wouldn't, you know, advise anybody to just go out and just say, you know, I saw a meme on Facebook and I'm just going to run out. And, you know, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to throw up the middle finger to my boss and then I'm right. going to go out there and then,
1: I've, you, know,
0: I've, you know, I know how to do, you know, fry some chicken and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to start. Right. And then you get out there and you're like, man, as soon as that Friday comes where that chat, you know, right. you miss it. And so I think that, you know, even in a nine to five situation, you should be getting looking at how you're going to invest you know your time and your money. A lot of people are at work. They got access to um, resources. I'm not advocating that you go and start doing stuff on people's jobs. Right. Um, so let me be clear about that. Right. You know, absolutely. Don't, don't go and start printing all stuff on folks' printer. And, you know, don't be all on your 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 personal email and stuff and all that kind of thing. But what I'm saying is, a lot of people go to very high level training classes and things like that. When you're on your job, learn about how. The cycle goes. Mm-hmm. Follow the money trail. How does money come in? How does it go out? What does it take to be able to do that? Right. And then also ask about where the breakdowns are. Yeah, you know, that creates the opportunity. Entrepreneurship is really just taking advantage of where there's problems and being able to fill in gaps and things like that. So, you know, for your audience that sometimes gets, you know, we leave them out sometimes on Facebook because we have there's been this hyper um, interest in entrepreneurship. Right. Um, but, you know, for those that aren't quite
1: there yet, you can certainly get there. Absolutely. And you bring up an interesting point, and it's a theme. Bring up to Startup Nation all the time about, you know, learning while you're on the nine to five, learning the ins and the outs, the credits and debits and this, that, and the other. We always, we always talk about OPM, uh, other people's methods. Yes. And bringing that into your business. So thank you for sharing that. And also, Tia, back to a point you were making as well. When you're talking about having that vision, you also talked about, you know, the, the conversation you had with your daughter. Like, why does that house cost so much? It's not really the house. It's the land that it sits on, right? Mm-hmm. And so, thank and they're you. they're
2: not making any more. So.
1: A- exactly. <laughs> and, so I, and, I, and I think That's a lot of times true. in our community, people are looking at the house, not the land. So You
2: have to be able to see potential. My little house in Hickory Hill that I bought nine years ago, that was the ugliest little house that I had ever seen. But now that ugly little house is... You know a stepping stone the equity that i'm about to pull out of it is about mm-hmm. to catapult me into doing some other things that i want to do because i built equity because i saw potential and i kind of you have to be psychic a little bit to right see exactly it, you know how mm-hmm. is this going to grow absolutely so absolutely definitely growth
1: Thank you yes. for sharing that. Uh,
2: Unfortunately, Jay-Z didn't see that in Dumbo. Right. <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> right. sure
1: he's hurt. <laughs> right. Right. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. We're going to switch it up just a little bit because uh, I- I'm curious to see what uh, your take on it. And we're going to go over to Tia for this one. How large a role does, because we know we look around about like, you know, uh, like, you know, marijuana charges and stuff like that, small amounts of marijuana, this, and the other. How large of a role does mass incarceration play into the uh, stagnation uh, mm-hmm. into the uh, economic prosperity for our community? Does it play a role? Is it small role, large role?
2: It's a large role. Um, I don't know anybody who's the same person they were 10 to 15 years ago. So if you get in trouble, you know, and you're incarcerated, you've done your time, you have that felony that scarlet letter on your back so I've made my mistakes I've done my time depending on what that offense is I feel like they should be given a second chance because if you're a felon you really can't work a job you're you're forced to go back into the streets or work a job that's not going to afford you the life that you may be accustomed to or one that could provide a living for your family or you for that matter so they have no choice but to get back in the system and I have You know where I'm from. Mm -hmm. Um, I have several people who have gotten in trouble in their younger age, and now they're in their 30s, and they have nowhere to turn because they have this scarlet letter on their chest. Mm -hmm. There's nowhere they can go. You know, there's only certain fields that you can get into. So it plays a large role in seeing that you can't, you you have no choice. You don't have any options when you get out. It's definitely a big issue.
0: Okay. Absolutely. No, I agree. I mean, yeah, there's not a whole lot for me to add to that. T is exactly right. It um, plays a huge role, um, and even when we talked last week in terms of uh, it plays a huge role in relationships between men and women um, because you've got uh, a large percentage of men who, um, unfortunately, have had to participate in that uh, mass incarceration system, and from that, T is exactly right. There's a, a whole slew of obstacles that, and hurdles that get placed in your way mm-hmm. um, if you do have the opportunity to even get out of the system and so it's really a deadly you know kind of thing and it goes back to like we've talked about the education of um, sharing with our young men and women that um, what the music may say that that's cool and, and, and things like that is really not you know, it, it's really not at all I, I've been in a holding cell for several hours that was not even cool right <laughs> where, oh, wow. and I've been down there to, where I've had to dress out. Gotcha. And I will oh. tell you, there's nothing uh, scarier than you get down there, and and you know they give you that uh, navy blue suit with with them them little mocks, mm-hmm. and and you dress now with the population.
1: Gotcha. I've been there.
0: Gotcha. You know, and I know several people have had to spend significant amount of time, you know, there, and I was extremely fortunate to get out and learn my lesson, but um, that. several have been impacted, Dominic and Tia, and I would say, you know, it it plays a huge role. Contra. And, and um, what stagnates us as a as a nation.
1: I appreciate you for sharing that. Uh, that That's powerful stuff. Thank you for that transparency. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is for whoever wants to chime in here first. We we have a lot of people who want to jump in entrepreneurship. They like you know what I've decided I'm ready to start a business. But you know some I'd say you know they know where they want to. They want to go fried chicken is the other. And we have some who are not sure where to go with that path. How do we, um, because I believe that, you know, the reason Black Wall Street worked is because we had a lot of businesses that were consumer staple as opposed to consumer discretionary. And for Startup Nation, if you're not sure the difference between the two, let me explain. Consumer staple is something that a marketplace needs, like a grocery store, a bank. This and the other consumer discretionary is something like like uh, if you want to sell jewelry, if you want to sell like something in retail, something that when hard times hit, you're willing to sacrifice as opposed to something like you actually need like food, you know, clothes, this, that and the the other. Mm -hmm. So my question is, how can we get more entrepreneurs, you know, to build more consumer staple businesses? as opposed to consumer discretionary businesses?
2: I would say resources and education. Okay. And we, we would definitely have to stick together because everybody wants to be an entrepreneur is sort of glamorized now. Right. But people don't know the struggle, the crawl, the climb that it takes to get to that glamorosity. You see the advertisements and you know the glitz and the glamour on the outside but running a business is more than you know making a bunch of money you know you don't make typically you don't make a profit in in the first five years and a lot of people that say they want to be an entrepreneur don't know that well can you live without pulling the profit and throwing everything into your business for the first five years for it to to prosper so i think that education and it would take a community because if if we had grocery stores are you gonna what's gonna make you shop at uh, Miss Jackie's grocery and shop versus Walmart right we have to pull together as communities to support these type businesses so that they can stay and flourish versus Going giving our money to our counterparts that are popular that, that because we're used to and we're having to drive out of our communities to go shop because they're not they don't have one in our communities because they don't support us. We right. need to start supporting each other.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, 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 and this is just, you know, my theory could be proven to be true and any other. But I think, you know, the only issue I have when we say buy black, which I have no issue with at all. But the thing is, is that in order to keep that dollar circulating, because they always, you know, they always bring up the figure it stays in the community six hours, fluctuates out. Yes. I think the only way to have that to stay in the community is to have those type of businesses. Because, like, the thing is, is, like, you know, we, we don't have, like, if you wanted a grocery store, we don't have a wholesaler to sell us, you know, mm-hmm. we, we don't own one of those. Like, so we have we have no choice but to go outside the community to bring that up, but go ahead. I just wanted to bring that up, but go ahead. And right. it also
2: takes community too because sure. mm-hmm. we don't want Miss Jackie's grocer and shop getting robbed every week. We absolutely also don't. No, I was absolutely. Watching the news and. There was one on South Parkway. They got robbed. They were trying to start something in the community, buy fresh, buy black, mm-hmm. you know, and they got robbed by some young little teenagers. So right. that sense of unity and education and letting us know, letting our children know, and people in the community know that hey, we need to stick together because if we're not for us, nobody is.
1: Right. So, e- even true. if it's a, a you know as you know you you know take the good with the bad. Or even if it's a situation where like if you're gonna rob. Like this is off limits, right? right. So right. No, a matter
2: no. of respect, right? Like our
1: it, it, exactly. You know, is- I mean, you don't want nobody to get robbed. You don't right. want, them, you know. At but all, there's right. one of those things where it's like uh, honor amongst thieves type of ideal, if mm-hmm. you will. So yeah. uh, I, I get what you're saying. Go ahead, RG. Yeah. I'm sorry. Unless but, you wanted to say something else, too. no. I'm okay. okay. Go ahead. <laughs> RG. Um, you know, just to share with you something that I did where I recently purchased a
0: duplex in Orange Mound. And there were some young men that were across the street that I called over. Now, I know what they were, what activities they were over engaged in. Gotcha. Um, yeah. These were young men. They were in their early 20s. Um, I won't say the young man that I spoke to, his name. Um, he went by name. That wasn't the name his mama gave him. So I asked him what his mama called him, so I got that. But um, I had that same kind of conversation, kind of going back to what you were saying, Dominic, in terms of um, I let them know what I was doing while I was there. Uh, I am from the neighborhood, but they didn't know me. And so uh, I basically shared with them that we're investing back into this community. They gave me all the history on the house, mm-hmm. right? One of the guys there was 22, he said, that house has been empty since he was, as long as he could remember. And they were all glad that uh, someone was there to fix it up. Um, but there are two things that I told them, and uh, I'm not going to use language on your show, uh, <laughs> Brother Dominic. Got gotcha. you. I did share with them. <laughs> um, you know, I gave them my card and, and I, all of them, and you've got my number call or text me if you see anybody mm -mm, gotcha with this property right and i'm gonna make the example of the first one of you that mm -mm, right with this property right and so that's just fair you know transparent conversation with them so a lot of times that's what it takes is um when we talk about the grocery business it's a very thin margin business right right? absolutely even buying wholesale um, your margin for a can of beans, for what you buy for, for what you can then sell it for mm-hmm. with the price pressure, is fairly thin. Right. And so, like Tia mentions, when you have um, to invest so much in insurance and security. So, you see, the thing is, is, you know, if it was such a moneymaker, such an easy thing, they'd already be there, right? Right. There's a reason they retracted from there in the first place. Right. Which was, um, by zip code, your insurance, Changes a great bit. Mm-hmm. Um, your investment in security, which is not not cheap, you know, you, you it's not like you can just get a guy and put a white t shirt on him and stick a pistol on his. You know, you're right. you're paying upwards of fifteen to twenty dollars an hour for several people to you know to to be there for security. So what we've got to do is we've got to go back and hold our communities accountable. And kind of like I said earlier, mm-hmm. I went to the people and there's some more people in that neighborhood that I'm gonna go speak with. The people who run those streets and those blocks. And I'm going to sit down with them. I I got no agenda other than leave this alone. Gotcha. And And
2: there's a a real sense of community. My stepdaughter had a break in. And when I tell you those people got up at 3 o'clock in the morning, they searched that neighborhood and come to find out it was somebody from Hickory Hill. It was not an Orange Man resident that broke into her car. But mm-hmm. I'm like, who needs MPD when you get the OPD? Okay. Right, right. Because <laughs> right. they found that person. Yeah. So there is a great sense of unity and togetherness in, in Orange Man like I've never seen before. So I doubt that you would yeah. have that right. problem. And Tia, I'll even tell you
0: this, that um, I've gotten a few texts um, matter of fact There's there's uh, one brother Over there who's a little overzealous <laughs> Cause he takes just about Everybody that walks Everything. Through the property Yeah <laughs> right. you, know, you gotta tell me Everybody that walks Through the property brother. <laughs> he, Maybe he
1: a, don't want To be made an example Out of yeah, That's probably was, what it is
0: Yeah or he just wants to, to let people know But yeah it was funny But you have to start With uh, the mindset you know, um, we talked some even last week about sports. So if a kid wants to play basketball, and I play basketball, mm-hmm. so the f- first thing is is it's the mindset. You have to have the mindset to want to practice your jump shot. Uh, you, I guarantee you, I could go there right now and open up a gym and fill it with kids because they all want to have a nice jump shot. They all want to work on their game. Right. Right. That's not hard. Getting people to then have that mentality to invest is a complete different thing. It doesn't have sex appeal. Right. Right. And so what I was doing with those young guys was um, I was appealing to their sense of
2: you
0: watching, you know, their neighborhood and their block, even though it's a block like Jay-Z said, they don't own it, Right. Right. But what I wanted them to get in the mindset of was, you know, yes, I look like them, but we're going to fix this issue. And they all chimed in that they want the help. I said, yes, I want you to help. Make sure I got your phone number. So I got all their names and numbers, mm-hmm. right? They all got my card. But, like I so said, I shared those two things with them, and then I follow up with them. So when they see me, when they see my truck pull up, they know it's me. Right. You know, and I'll even let them know who's coming with me. i say, oh, I'm going to have this person with me, this person with me, yada, yada, yada. So they know. And what happens is they spread the word. So they let the others in their faction know, mm-hmm. Nah, I don't come with them. You see this? Right. Leave that alone. And so, you know, if when we get to the point that it's time to kind of include them, once you include them in the process and let them see it, and that's the whole thing is they can see it, so they can see the pathway. Right. It's not just the guy showing up in a suit and tie. That's you know, no. Let them see the pathway to how you can get there. You don't have to be no sellout. You don't have to try to talk in that white. Right. You don't have to move thirty miles away. You can be just who you are and own this, you know, in this community. And you don't have to change who you are. Right. You know, what you have to change is your mindset.
1: How's it going, Startup Nation? I hope you're getting great value from the content in the first half of the show. We got to pay some bills, so I wanted to cut in and give you a quick break. My name is Donnie Lawson, and you're listening to The Startup Life. a teacher looking for great resources? Look no further than Owl's e-commerce store on Teachers Pay Teachers. The store name: Teaching with Owls. Enjoy great lessons based on short stories from great authors such as Kate Chopin's *The Story of an Hour* and Edgar Allan Poe's *The Mask of the Red Death*. And no worries, teachers. All lessons are Common Core aligned. Let's continue. Moving right along, uh, uh, there's another line in the story OJ. I bought some artwork for one million. Two years later, that shit was two, worth two million. three years later. That shit worth $8 million. I can't wait to give this shit to my children. Forgive me for the language, by the way. Uh, not my words. Two-part question. Uh, how important is learning about the valuing of assets appreciating? And then ultimately, uh, and, I, and I'll give this to Tia, mm-hmm. uh, how important is building generational wealth?
2: Assets appreciation. Very important. People always tell me, oh, well, you make X amount of dollars. Why don't you go get a new car? For what? The car that I have is fine. When you drive off the lot, that car that you just bought that you're so proud of has a depreciated. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. causing me to lose money. You buy things that appreciate potentially, like real estate, you know, investments. And I was afraid of investing when I first started because I, you know, I watched uh, Madoff and had watched mm-hmm. American Greed and I was just traumatized. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> had real issues <laughs> with people playing around with my money. But then it dawned on me. You're playing around with your money. Your money is doing this anyway. Right. You know, I have X amount of dollars in my savings, something comes up, it's back down. You know, I make more money, it's back up. It's doing this anyway. Mm-hmm. So, so what are you gaining from you not investing your money, not buying things that are that appreciate? And you're losing money. It's very important that you buy things that appreciate. In our community, we're taught that things like cars and clothes that depreciate equate to value. And that's so not true. So it's very important in teaching your children to have the mindset of escalation and buying things of value. And what you instill in your children to perceive its value. We don't buy Jordans, we don't buy shoes, you know. I shop at Play-Doh's closet, we go to Goodwill, you know, and I don't typically try to buy things unless I'm giving something away. So that. teaching my children to be materialistic is what we try to shy away from mm-hmm. in order to build their mentality to focus on different things. So if you if you tell little Pookie that he got to be fresh and he got to buy, he has to wear Burberry and Gucci, how how is that feasible And you're in an apartment. You don't even own the very bed, the land, the property that you sleep on, but you're investing in Burberry. He probably owns his property, whoever owns Burberry. So just instilling value in different things and raising the kids up to not feel that they need to dress a certain way and that makes them valuable. Know that owning things makes you valuable. Keeping up with your money is valuable and buying things that are needed versus wanted. You know, we do needs and wants. Do you need this or do you want it? How is this going to affect you later on? Are you going to be happy right now like my kids in Christmas? We didn't do Christmas last year and people thought that I was so cruel because I didn't <laughs> buy them anything for Christmas. Guess what? I took that money, I donated it to a family and I put it into a savings account for their college because... Two weeks after Christmas, guess what happens with those thousands of dollars worth of toys I bought? They're thrown over in the corner, they're devalued, <laughs> depreciated, have done nothing for my life or theirs. So right. teaching them, and they didn't have a problem with it because I explained to them what I was doing. I'm teaching you where value lies and what's important to your life. Your college fund is important.
1: It, it, it's funny you mentioned like that lesson you taught for Christmas. That's, that speaks into part two of this question about building generational wealth. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where, you know, Certain communities are teaching these, their kids these lessons. Yeah. And that's something that we're lacking. So speak a little bit about why generational wealth is so important and building this legacy of you know building something you know long after you're gone.
2: I don't know any parent who doesn't want to see their child okay after they're gone. Absolutely. I pray on a day-to-day, day-to-day basis, Lord, just let me see them okay. Let me know that they're okay. What other way can you know that your children are okay than preparing for their future before you demise. So mm-hmm. that that's the thing. You mm-hmm. have to, if you want to truly make sure that your children are safe, teach them how to take care of the legacy that you're leaving them. Show them through your actions what's important and how to live a life worth living and you know not learn how to manage the things that you're giving them right through your day-to-day actions if they see mama out buying gucci bags and red bottoms and you know chains and you stunt Mm -hmm. your child is going to do that i work out i caught my baby um (laughs) on the side of the bed doing (laughs) push-ups so children emulate their parents whether we know it or not the actions that we portray to them on a day-to-day basis they see it and they're taking it in so be careful about how you're portraying yourself with your children so i think that your children emulating you will ultimately mold their behavior in the future.
1: So if they're going to emulate you, you might as well give them something to emulate. Yeah, and leave them something. Don't waste
2: it all while you're here. You know, you only live (laughs) once, but your children are going to live after you. So how are they going to be living? I hear that.
1: I hear that. Chime in, RG? Look at, uh, if you study child behavior, it's interesting.
0: You know, what's one of the first sentences, first full sentences that a child ever says? It's, hey, that's mine. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Hey, that's mine. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Two, three. Yeah, you you take something from, hey, that's mine. Right. You know, and they stack ring themselves against each other. So what happens is if if Dominic's two and I'm three, well, and I'm a little bigger than Dominic, I feel like, yeah, that's mine. I feel like I can take it from him. Now, if if T is five and I'm three and T is a little bit bigger than me, right? Mm -hmm. You know, now I'm I'm a little less, you know, (laughs) if T is, hey, that's mine. Right. No, 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 that's mine. Mm -hmm. You know, And so we have that mentality from the very beginning of ownership, right? So that's really what I'm speaking to is that, you know, we always have that. It's just that, as Tia mentioned, we we gather learned behavior. So we have some things that are embedded in us from DNA. And DNA goes a lot further than how we look. We pass a lot of things down. Uh, to our children, right. um, a lot of different spiritual kind of things get passed <laughs> down. Mannerisms, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Mannerisms, mindsets, a lot of different things we pass down. That's embedded in that DNA. You know, science hasn't figured it all out yet. Um, there's a lot of things we pass down, and it goes back to what we spoke of last week in terms of even with families and men and women and who people get with and things like that. It goes well beyond the lust of the eye, um, because our children that result from that you know, take on those characteristics. Right. And that's why I always encourage people to look at, you know, the one thing that you're not going to get past a person is their personality and their character. Um, those are things that you carry. matter of fact, personality is something that you're always going to have with you. It, it, you from the day that, you know, you know, your mom holds you there in the hospital to the day you transition off, you're going to have your personality. Right. Yeah. And then your character is something that builds over time. And those are the two things that we've got to look at. So when I look at kind of the you know the first part of your question, Dominic, in terms of you know valuing you know assets appreciating, mm-hmm. you know that comes from um, you know who you're around and, and how you're gaining that kind of behavior. Tia mentioned it perfectly. You know if, if you know a child sees mom and dad you know investing in certain things that don't appreciate, um, they tend to pick that behavior up, and then vice versa. You know I I can recall um, growing up and. I remember there was a uh, a white kid that grew up with us, uh, and he's doing very well in the city. Matter of fact, he's a top forty on the forty. I hear that. And uh, we went to uh, high school together, and he was a C student at best. Um, his dad's a restaurant owner,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so one of the things, that, and when I was his dad's banker, he would tell me that he would bring it. He would ask if his son could come to meetings. He said once the son got of age where he could, you know, someone sit and behave right in a rush. Yeah, and his whole thing was is He wanted his son Around the environment And he would ask his son He would debrief with him After those meetings yeah, What did you hear And his son would Give sometimes Some funny answers And some things right. like that Because he doesn't understand But of he course. would ask questions That sometimes would spark, Really I didn't even know you, you caught something like that Right And so what happened is Even though Like I said He wasn't the best student uh, In school he's, he's very successful now Because he understands Business And he understands um, Owning your means Of production Right And so that speaks to the legacy of, you know, it wasn't that his dad was so smart or so this or even so forward thinking. He just knew he wanted his son, you know, to begin early, you know. And he's sitting there with adults just in the corners of fly on the wall. But he's hearing the back and forth, how they're negotiating, what they're talking about with deals, things like that. So he grows up seeing that, you know. And the same happens vice versa. If I grow up and I see, you know, crimes being committed and different things, that's what I know. Um, and so um, the understanding of that, of assets appreciating this comes from that. Um, gotcha. it, it also speaks to the generational wealth builder.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Real quick, we we'll go to the next question. This also comes from the same song that we've been referencing all all day. Um, Y'all out here taking advances, huh? Me and my nigga taking real chances. And when I see this line from Jay-Z, it, it actually speaks to not just the question, But, well, first of all, it speaks to, it seems like a nod to the rapper Chance. Mm -hmm. And if you know the story of the rapper Chance, he's, you know, the very successful rapper that has no record deal. Like, pretty much everything he does, he's built up, you know, pretty much primarily, I don't know the the entire story, but he pretty much built up by himself without a record deal, right? right? I think he made his, you know, on SoundCloud and just kind of went from there, right? Mm -hmm. So... I uh, wanted to point that out. This very entrepreneurial aspect. How do we convince people to make? And this is for you, Tia. How do we convince people to make bets on them on themselves and stop chasing perceived sure things?
2: I think we need to get a, get away from the monkey see monkey do mentality. Yeah, I hear that. Because if you if you see one thing in our community, it runs rampant. Just like you know, if, if people see something, at one point it was tax company. You know, people had all these, everybody you went and you just, they were everywhere. Gotcha. But if you don't have a true passion for what you're doing, it's not going to thrive. You're just trying to do a get rich rich quick, you Mm. know, thing and you didn't have a passion for you then nurture your business you just saw somebody else do it and they have a Maserati and they have a Range Rover so yeah I'm gonna go do it too you know and two years a year later once tax season is over with you're closed down I think that people need to one everybody can be an entrepreneur and two bet on yourself have the confidence to do what you think take the chance you take chances every day. You know, you, you take risk every day. Right. Realize your potential and do you. You don't have to do what is perceived to be successful because some, cause what's successful for somebody else may not be good Very for true. you. Right.
0: So, so bid on you
2: and what works for you, not what's perceived. Because if you don't have a true passion for it, it's not going to be profitable anyway because you won't be able to do it long enough to, to reap the benefits
1: of it Sorry. I heard that I heard that yeah. say you RG yeah
0: absolutely and, and your passion even at Tia's point is you won't keep it up the first roadblock that you hit yeah, you're going to stop because it's absolutely. not a, a passion. Yeah. Right. passion that's what you find with a lot of people um, and, and kind of continuing that same thing that, that Tia introduced um, you know it, investing in yourself you um, it, you know, it's always interesting how um, When people go and, and they're so quick to want to work For somebody else Absolutely. You're investing in that entrepreneur's dream And, and even at the, the detriment Sometimes of your own And you're taking your skill set And you're, you're putting a price per hour On it So you're, you're already devalued So if you took you working as a job Even as a business You're saying that you know, your business is worth Nine dollars an hour Mm-hmm. You know, talk to any business owner that <laughs> even if you're cutting grass, it ain't no nine dollars an hour. Right. Right. So you you completely devalue your time. So entrepreneurship and business ownership is about time. Absolutely. And so, what value do you put on your time with your skill set? There's a lot of your listeners, you know, dominant, and a lot of people that will listen to this that have a lot of great skill sets that really should be out here making a lot of money. Very and true. And they're things, afraid. And they're exactly. Right. They're afraid. Because they're afraid of what, um, sometimes they're afraid, before you get external, they're afraid of what's internal with themselves. That's what destroys a lot of people. It's not so much folks hating and folks doing all this stuff. A lot of people are hating on themselves. And uh, my guy Brian Nelson, shout out to him, a travel agent, Mm -hmm. uh, put a post up on Facebook about that, about um, internal hate that people have. They hate on themselves. Right. And they do that through their mindset they they lack that courage, like, you know, Tia said, to, to get out there and they're worried about what somebody might say or might do or just whatever, you know, and, and people have got to get past that. And so um, there's no such thing as a sure bet. You know, you see, you, you read the unemployment stuff. It's 4.4 4 now. Right. Uh, rewind back to 08. You know, 09 <laughs> and 10. Yeah. Right. You know, when it was much higher. Right. Right. And... Uh, there were a lot of layoffs. There's still layoffs. But remember when there were a lot of layoffs and that last quarter of George Bush right before uh, Barack Obama? Right. <laughs> a lot of people getting put on the streets. Mm-hmm. And so Tennessee's a right to work state. So right. it's just narrowed down to the local. So you can uh, terminate your employment uh, at any time for any reason. And so can they. Right. <laughs> so there's nothing sure about that right absolutely
2: so you know. and that, absolutely. that's what i tell people all the time and i i forget who the quote came from but it's something that stuck with me it said whether you think you can or whether you think you can't whatever it is you're right right whatever mm-hmm. you think you're right so yeah
1: absolutely there it is. Explanatory.
2: There it absolutely
1: is. rg and i, I feel like i've been picking on t a little bit so i'm gonna go to, <laughs> I'm gonna go to you rg first uh, for right. this next question um and this this is actually Jay Z you know a Jay Z line but this goes back to the Blueprint album from two thousand one yeah they tr- they trying to get them ones I'm trying to get them M's one million two million three million four in just five okay. years forty million more you're now looking at the forty million boy I'm raping Death Jam until I'm the hundred million man yeah later on in the song he says hey I smartened up open the market up in eighteen you know one million two million you know the line yeah. right Mm-hmm. In 18 months 80 million more Now add that number To the one I said before You're now looking at One smart black boy Right Right So For 444 in this album Jay-Z has been receiving A bit of criticism, criticism from our community For making this Very mature album Right Right However Based on the lyric I just read to you It seems as if He's been You know Play on words He's been giving us The blueprint Sent for a long time now Right mm-hmm. Has he? Yeah, well, I would
0: say that he has, you know, but you know, you look, there's some differences, though, okay. right, between this verse and no one thing. And it, it, some of it speaks to Jay-Z being at probably a different point. Absolutely. In 2001, being a little younger. So he's speaking of this from a bravado standpoint. Mm-hmm. He's not necessarily educating. He's speaking this from rapper bravado, where he's saying, look at me compared to you, or look at me compared to who you value. Right. I'm above who you value. And that's from a younger Jay Z perspective. Younger, you imagine, yeah. <laughs> right. So this is maybe the difference between a thirty-year-old Jay Z and a forty-seven-year-old Jay Z. Fair enough. Forty-seven-year-old um, Jay Z is now married with children and things like that. You know, this. You know, he. You know, this album came out right after Big Pimpin. And right. All that kind of stuff, so <laughs> right. he was still in that. You know what I mean? Right. That Jay Z mode. Right. You know. So, but it, it was an early adoption of um, speaking towards um not just accepting a record company's advance. For you know I mean, a lot of people don't always understand the music business, you know, mm-hmm. particularly in hip hop, but right. a lot of rappers, they make no money, you know, that first album. You know, basically they're given an advance. And then the record company used to put a lot of pressure on an artist to then come back and, right. and have to take care of that advance. So, so it wasn't just free money. Right. What Jay Z began doing was, you know, when you get into owning your masters and, and things like that, songwriting um, the things again that appreciate, mm-hmm. um, in that early verse in two thousand one on the blueprint, he's kind of speaking to getting into that ownership realm. Well,
2: I'm no hip hop buff, but in, from my interpretation, he's still talking about growing his money in a cocky, condescending type of way. in gotcha. the Younger Jay Z, mm-hmm. but at any rate, he's made the smart moves, and mm-hmm. as you see in one verse to the next, his <laughs> net worth grew. So. Right. It's still about growth and using your money and letting it work for you. Right. So, at the end of the day, he did give us the blueprint. It was just delivered in a different way. So, I I still interpret that message the same. I would be less likely to listen to it then. Right. (laughs) But... He did basically say the same thing. His money grew from one verse to the next. He grew his money, his mentality, and what the other person, whoever he's referencing to, was trying to do something different. And he said, hey, here's what I'm trying to do. Now look what happened. So it makes sense. Gotcha. he's still talking about growing money not selling drugs on the street however he grew that money which I'm pretty sure real estate had something to do with it Right. Um, <laughs> and you know record labels and album sales and all of that also like I said I'm not in that element. but uh, he did grow his money and it was making through making wise decisions which is if you read into that you would have gathered that right I,
1: I think and the reason I wanted to put that in there because like I said there has been a little bit of criticism for the recent album but I wanted to kind of point out that like those early rumblings of that mentality was there. Yes, it was there. Even if it was a, from a sense of bravado, like I'm you know, like a, I'm out here getting it this and the other, and then right. he's kind of sitting on his perch now with his family and his and his millions on millions on millions. Whereas like you know, he's trying to. It's almost like he's trying to send the elevator back down. Right. That's how I see, you know, you know that growth. You know, he rolled the elevator you know, up, and now he's trying to send it back down. Back to exactly. 401 to get the rest of us to come uh, up to that point. No, I agree, absolutely. Uh, what is the what is the very first thing the African American community to do in order to achieve the prosperity that we see? Like what? Like if you had like you know this little small community of African Americans, what would be the first thing we would you would do or direct them towards? whoever to chime in first
2: I think it starts at the bottom education if, okay. you, if you have money and you don't have any education what is it 1.4 trillion we have mm-hmm. money we're not educated as to what to do with that money mm-hmm. and it starts at the bottom so it's clear that we have money now we need to start teaching these families and make it a lifestyle and a, a, a habit of creating and like like you said we've only been out 47 years so it's about you know starting at the bottom honestly honing and educating our, our people you know even people if you're wealthy your family members are looking at you let them know what you're doing help your people you know help your kids let them know what you've what you've done and the the systems that you've implemented to create wealth and that'll they and tell will tell their children out, and hopefully it'll start you know trickling down from generation to generation it's it not wealth you know it's mm-hmm. clear that we have money but we need to learn what to do with that money and how to make that money grow.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You want to chime in yeah. there? No, I, I agree.
0: I, I think, you know, I would actually say it's a two party. E- education, definitely, I agree with mm-hmm. Tia all day on that. Um, I, one thing that I would add to that with the education is um, the centralizing of our means of production which is the banking system. Right. So one thing that I would say we would need to have is a way to centralize that money. If you look at, you know, even HBCU donation, mm-hmm. right, um, even those of us that, you know, and I I didn't, but there were many of those that um, participated in HBCUs. Right. Um, we... Um,
1: you got one ripping her HBCU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's required, yeah here you Go Got gotcha. you. Fair <laughs> enough. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: But, but you look at you know um, a lot of, that, and I'm sure, you know, Ms. Ken is not like this, but um, uh, there are many that only invest in their HBCU when it's homecoming time. Right? Got gotcha. you. When it's time to give back to the organization, well, let's let the government and the, the people that don't look like us pay for it. We'll just come back for homecoming.
2: When it's gotcha. party time Right <laughs>
0: And so You know How do Yale and Harvard Get 12 million And 15 million dollar Donations to their Endowment fund gotcha. They control The means of production Right Which is They centralize the money They don't have They don't See what like, The government gives A 10 million dollar grant There's not 50 schools That go run for it. Right What happens is Harvard goes and gets it And then they Trickle it down to Everybody else Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. so you don't get they don't get fifty applications from fifty different schools. So we, you know if we had a way you know, to you, to even get that money in the beginning is you have gotta centralize it. Gotcha. And that's what other communities do is because they've got the banking system. So everybody's putting into the banking system and guess what? Now when you know Howard needs five million dollars, oh um, you know T N Brooks uh, Bank and Trust is giving a five million dollar. You know, grant to Howard right. University, mm-hmm. and we all wonder, well, where they get? Where's that money coming? Oh, it's just white people, white people, white people. <laughs> right. you know what I mean, mm-hmm. right? But, no, they make money. Yeah, yeah, they, they supposed <laughs> to make. Because that, that's again, that goes back to the education. We think the white folks supposed to make money. Right. We're we're supposed to struggle. Absolutely. And and that goes to the education, but you've got to centralize what to, so to get the ownership and these numbers we've been talking about from Jay Z and the real estate is you've got to. Centralize that. Gotcha. And we've got to come up with a way to create the banking system
2: in trust.
0: Yeah, and that's where the trust comes in, and and the banking system's interesting because it's highly regulated. Right. That's true. Um. Yeah. So it's not easy, you know, business. Just say you just go run out here and get a charter and just Absolutely. It. Absolutely. Right? You have, so you have to have the right minds and, and those kind of things at the table. And it's got to be a situation where we get away from, like we talked about earlier and even last week, where we're not so concerned about who's going to get the personal credit or shine for it, but Absolutely. we have a higher cause right. on why we're doing it. And so, you know, it, it, you know, this has been a fantastic conversation, but, I mean, that's really what I'd say. Education and the, and the money, the bank.
1: That, 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 that's an excellent point where you talk about the longevity piece and being willing to, because uh, the thing is, like when we talk about generational wealth, I firmly believe that, you know, the one, the base generation who makes the conscious decision to start it all is usually the one that won't see the, the full fruits of the labor. So when you, when you speak to that, RG, that's what I instantly think about. So uh, yeah. thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Before we move into the last question, I want to give the floor to you guys. To, like, if you want to let uh, the world know whatever like specials, whatever you're doing, what's you know new things you got going on in your business or to promote anything. <laughs> social media. The floor is yours to kind of just advertise what you're doing. RG, I know you got some big news today. I don't know if you want to share that or not. It's yeah. totally up to you. But uh, but go for it. you want to go first. <laughs> Tia? go ahead.
2: Well, I'm Tia Jennings. I'm currently an agent with Crylike. And right now, my passion, my specialty is working with first-time home buyers. I'm a member of National Association of Real Estate Brokers. And they're a black company, I mean, a black organization that Mm -hmm. really promotes black homeownership and building black wealth in the community. So that is currently my passion, Mm -hmm. just trying to help. Our people realize wealth in black home ownership. So that. that continues to be my passion and it will be for a long time. So you guys can follow me on Instagram at fit underscore realtor underscore beauty. Um, you can email me at tiajennings.realtor at gmail with any questions that you may have about home ownership. And I would love to help to get you guys started. Right, Let's yeah. make
0: home ownership great again. There you go. Go ahead, RG. Um, now, um, yeah, Entre Memphis, a uh, community collaborative uh, downtown at uh, Stop 345, which is 345 Madison. Um, actually, working on revamping the website uh, right now, but you can actually catch this. Uh, on, on Facebook uh, we do have a Facebook page that's pretty active and Facebook group uh, I'm on Facebook actually as uh, Ronnie G Brooks uh, on Instagram you know all those different places where you can can find me but um, as Dominic alluded to just today we got our 501c3 paperwork for uh, my nonprofit which is the RG Brooks development consortium and what we do is we work with various partners in the community for f- what I refer to as financial readiness mm-hmm. um, uh, training uh, you know career development career navigation uh, c- commercial and residential real estate uh, acquisitions and so by uh, getting our 501 C3 today we're actually able to uh, begin fundraising and offering tax-deductible uh, opportunities for those that would choose to donate to us so we're very excited about that um, I'm actually in the process and I gave the address of for entre Memphis and um The the Development Consortium's actually got an office here in Bartlett, Tennessee. Um, I'm actually looking at relocating all my operations to the Orange Mountain area, which is where I grew up. Uh, I grew up off of uh, Park and Sims. uh, And I'm I'm very excited uh, for the opportunity here over the next, uh, say, 12 to 18 months to actually relocate and kind of centralize uh, those operations
1: back. Uh, back in the mound, So I'm coming on Mound bound again Mound bound All mm-hmm. right mound bound again All right And Startup <laughs> Nation <laughs> And Startup Nation As always You'll see You know All those uh, Information in the show notes Including Tia's And R.G. Brooks' Previous episodes On the startup life Final one guys Any final thoughts About every, anything We talked about The album uh, Entrepreneurship The black community As a whole You know The You know Final thoughts.
2: <laughs> Listen
0: to Jay Z,
1: y'all. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Fair enough.
0: Fair enough. Uh, I, you know, I will say again, thank you, Dominic, and, and to your team for the, this opportunity uh, for us to be able to showcase. And um, I would say to your listeners, you know, wherever you are in your walk, whether you may have some listeners that have already made a hundred million dollars per year for several years, and um, they face a different set of challenges. Right. Um, and you may have someone who's just waking up hearing this and like, God, you know, only real estate. On this all sounds good, but, you know, I, you know my MLG and W bills do. And, you know, um, I've got rent due and, and mama's sick. And, you know, I've got all these other cares right. Right, before I even get to that. You know, just remain encouraged. Um, no, none of us have arrived this sense that you know we don't face challenges. Right. And I saw some of this on Facebook from the W situation with uh, Zeebo from this past mm-hmm. week, where mm-hmm. some people became a little sensitive towards you know and empathetic towards you know what they refer to as people of poverty that were taking advantage of a situation or not taking advantage, but looking to get in with a situation. And I would say that you know none of all of us are are just you know you know whether it's a few direct deposits away. Uh, a few customers saying no away from right. being in that situation. Yeah, so so I true. don't think even if you shed some humor, you know, to the situation, you know, try not to be so sensitive and take everything so seriously. Um, I think it, we all knew that there was a, an inherent systemic issue with poverty in Memphis before Saturday. Um, so I don't think, you know, Saturday's, uh, you know, fiasco, you know, made people all of a sudden think, oh, they are poor people in Memphis, you know? <laughs> like, oh, gotcha. I think we all knew that. So right. everybody relax, you know, um, each one teach one and, you know, look to make the investment, uh,
1: back into the community. I hear that. That's going to conclude this episode of the startup life. I want to thank Tia Jennings and RG Brooks.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much thank for coming you on the show. Yes.
1: And discussing this. All right, Startup Nation. Well, Startup Nation, I hope you enjoyed parts one and two of 445. We really put a lot of work and effort into this episode. But here's my final take. The thing is, is that for the longest periods of times as African-Americans, we have had, you know, lots of barriers in the realm of finance, real estate, entrepreneurship, this, that, and the other. However, we cannot continue to use it as a crutch, as a means to not doing something and moving forward. Yes, there are those barriers. There are those things that stand in our way. But when you think about it, that really is a true asset of our community. We have the ability to adapt. We have the ability to overcome. We have the ability to succeed no matter what the circumstances are. If we're able to come together as a community and put that hard work and ingenuity together, we can really begin to see the prosperity that we see. If you want to let us know what you think about the show or like to advertise on our show, send us an email to the address in the show notes. Subscribe to The Startup Life as it can now be heard on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Also, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Al LLC. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.